When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zanis Taylor Kyle's here. We're waiting for the uh, conclusion of the four o'clock window to jump on here and talk to you about what we witnessed in the one o'clock window, which was the Patriots falling to the Dolphins 31 17. Taylor Kyle's is in Miami. Uh, and we'll kind of run through some of the stuff um, that happened in this game. And I think where the conversation is going to go now with the Patriots sitting at two and six is going to be to the trade deadline, which is on Tuesday, and what the Patriots should do, will do you know, who knows what and kind of future stuff. But, you know, I don't know if it's a nail in the coffin sort of loss. It certainly felt like it um, as far as the season goes. And I think the general overarching thing is I honestly, like, I don't know what the mood is with people. I don't think it's rage anymore, Taylor. I think it's acceptance. Um, I think there was a glimmer of hope coming off of the um, Buffalo game that, whoa, hey, wait, maybe they can put it together. Uh, And then this was kind of a crashing back down to earth. And I think the most depressing thing about this game, at least for me, and then, you know, I really want your insights here, is I didn't think they played horribly. I thought they played okay. I thought they did a good job containing the run. I thought, um, you know, in many cases, they did the best they could. I thought they blocked fairly well. Um, You know, at times they just couldn't. It just simply came down to their guys are better than our guys. And that was kind of the story of the game, at least how it looked to me. So I'll send it to you. Um, if you want to start anything game, particular, you know, game specific or just kind of the mood in the post game uh, coming off a, you know, a loss that I think really like kind of tells you who you are. Yeah. Well, the locker room vibes weren't great. They seemed pretty, uh, pretty disappointed in the loss. And I think it's because they understand what this meant. Like today's, if they won, really could have been a turning point in the season because they have a very winnable slate of games coming up. They do. They still do. Um, but at the same time, they were already in a really bad position entering this game with their backs against the wall, really needing this kind of win to really make things competitive, obviously, kind of get things in their favor in the division as well. Um, and even Matthew Slater acknowledged, like, yeah, you know, it's going to be tough um, bouncing back from this one and really getting everybody – um, this isn't like word for word what he said, but really just kind of emotionally getting everybody on board um, because of a loss like this. And then especially you lose like Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne with the knee. You don't know how long that's going to last. He's been your best receiver. Devontae Parker is probably going to be out at least a week um, because he suffered a head injury. So it was those two things. The way the game ended, like Christian Barmore was saying, he felt that he needed to defend Juju Smith-Schuster after there was the hit on Deshaun Elliott where uh, he got called for a flag. You could tell it wasn't intentional. He wasn't trying to hurt him or anything. You can actually see on the broadcast that he apologized to Elliott after the play. But Dolphins players started coming towards the Patriots' sideline and kind of starting crap, and that's when Barmore really got involved and started kind of getting after it. So I think that just the way the game ended left a bad taste in people's mouths. And I think that you're right for the most part. You know, there were the, – the way I wrote it up was this was just a lot of inconsistency. 
where when the offense is going with pace, they look great. Like they were moving the ball down the field easily. And really it was kind of jarring because you don't see them operate with that kind of efficiency. Even last week, um, as easy as it looked at times for them to get downfield. But Hunter Henry acknowledged after the game that there were just too many negative plays and times they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Turnovers, I thought, for the offense weren't quite as bad. The defense, I thought, were hurt more by those penalties. Um, but the Patriots just couldn't really keep up. I One thing I wrote about was how the Dolphins answered every, both, every, both of the Patriots' touchdown drives. But then when the Dolphins scored, the Patriots had two punts, an interception, and a turnover on downs. That's kind of the story of the game, I think, is that every time the Dolphins put up points, the Patriots just couldn't keep up. And the defense, again, it's inconsistent because there were times where they looked pretty good. Like you look at third downs and on most days, 5 of 14 on third down, that's pretty good. But then you allow three fourth down conversions. Um, I thought I agree. The run defense after some hiccups early was really, really good for the game. And I thought that was going to be one of the keys was controlling the line of scrimmage and making the Dolphins win. And they did. Goal. The Dolphins wanted to run it, and the Patriots wouldn't let them, you know. Um, yeah, and, but they know. kept they stayed in the game enough that they could at least put the run in the Patriots' minds and force them to defend it, and that kept the offense pretty open. And then when it came to the passing game, I thought that when they – really more than anything, I think the Dolphins' passing game slowed themselves down. Um, they had their own mistakes to kind of put them in bad positions when they failed. But this was, I think, maybe the worst performance you've seen from the Patriots' secondary this season – you know, I, the Cowboys game was rough. The Saints game was rough. But those were somewhat understandable because the Saints game, the defense was on the field the whole game. Cowboys game, obviously you lose Gonzalez and Judon. But this is one where there were times where it just felt like they had no answers to what the Dolphins were doing. So it's disappointing because you saw that they could compete with this team. But I think you're yeah, right. Ken, where it just, Ken, they didn't have the firepower to have those big plays and, and kind of push the envelope and – that's Make the thing is I don't know that they can compete with this team. I really don't. I, and that's that's kind of where it comes down to is I just think it's that point where you have to. Um. All right. I guess it's just me. Um. All right. So I'll keep giving my thoughts. Um. John was saying doesn't know if the Patriots actually have the firepower to compete with this team. In my opinion, I thought that for the most part, it was really just what the Patriots are doing to themselves. Like Hunter Henry said, it was a lot of the negative plays. I think – to a degree, the defense not being able to hold up its end of the bargain and actually keep the Dolphins from scoring. Like, you look at uh, the explosive plays, like the bracket with Marte Mapu and J.C. Jackson. That's not a we-don't-have-the-guys kind of play. That's a no. I think Jackson even said post game they had bad eyes. They tried to play the run on a play-action pass. They each took a step forward, and it was what ultimately killed them. You get the penalty. I know people say that it might not have been a penalty, and, you know, there's some controversy there where J.C. was holding Tyreek Hill from my perspective, I thought that he had a handful of jersey and really did deserve to be flagged on that one. And then two plays later, J.C. Jackson gives up a slant touchdown to Cedric Wilson. So it's a lot of it, I think, is just performance-based. And yeah, the, the Jelani Tavai missed tackle. Obviously, he more than made up for it. But there's just certain fundamental things that this Patriots team wasn't doing well enough. Um, and if anybody, you know, while John's not here, if anybody has questions in the chat, feel free to put them up. Um because I'm, <laughs> I'm riding solo here for now. But um, I'm trying to think of some other points maybe. I'll go with some positives maybe. Ramondre Stevenson, I thought he had a return to form kind of game. I know the stat line isn't impressive at all. He had like 50 yards or something like that. Not very impressive. But if you're watching the game, you saw he was finally breaking tackles. He's making people miss. Late in some of the runs where there was nothing open early, he makes something happen throughout the play. That's the kind of stuff you wanted to see from Andre Stevenson. I thought that was fantastic. Kyle Duggar, 
returning to form, team leading nine tackles. Obviously, as the interception, not a great read by Tua. I think we can all acknowledge that was not the best play uh, from him. But still, being able to capitalize is huge because if he drops that, then the Dolphins can punt, and then the Patriots have to put a long drive together. Instead, they have great field position. They score on a play where, interestingly enough, the Dolphins ended up bracketing Demario Douglas, which even he acknowledged after the game. He didn't expect him to get bracketed early on in his career like that, but opened up an opportunity for Kendrick Bourne because of Kyle Duggar being able to make a play. Also had the sack. Uh, he had some impact against the run. So, you know, you know me. I'm a sort of optimist. I like to look at some of the positives because this was rough overall. Um, but from those perspectives, I thought Ramondre Stevenson and Kyle Duggar like what I saw from them. Jelani Tabai, I mentioned the missed tackle, but that was like the only knock. I think he had a really good game. He set a bunch of hard edges. He was throwing guys around, almost had an interception. He broke up the pass, but he almost picked it off. He had a really good game. I was impressed with what he was able to do. Uh, but really, it's not a whole lot of things that uh, he saw that were positive from this team. I can toss to some sound from uh, Mac on the Jalen Ramsey interception before I actually give my thoughts on it. So, Ahmed, if you could uh, maybe throw in what Mac said about another inexcusable pick. I knew the I knew the coverage. I knew the everything. I just made a bad throw really late. Uh, didn't really drive it, and um, that's what happens on that play. You know, the guy either takes it and it's a touchdown, or the guy falls off, and you know that can happen. But can't do that as a quarterback, just throw it out of bounds or take the check down and move on. Yeah, so just it's plays like that where you have to, and I I want to root for Mac. I think everybody wants to root for Mac. But when he says he knew what the play was, I think there were some people who were saying maybe he got baited into the throw. He wasn't baited into the throw. What you'd see if a, a cornerback was intentionally trying to get a quarterback to throw is usually you'll see more measured steps. Like they're kind of just strafing and waiting for that throw to come. Jalen Ramsey was taken off downfield, and then Max' throw led Kendrick Bourne to him. Kendrick actually tried to sit in a hole in the zone coverage, and then you saw – it was just a really bad throw. He didn't put it back shoulder. There wasn't enough zip on it. He threw it off his back foot. And it was late. Just a cacophony of errors that you can't have, especially when you're almost in scoring territory. Like, again, those are the reasons I'm saying I don't think the Patriots can compete with the Dolphins. Earlier on in the year, they were one drive away from being able to tie that game and maybe, you know, swing things in their favor. And maybe we're looking at a different type of season. Now, obviously, the offensive line, you can't just throw that out the window. The offensive line at that point was an issue. This time, the offensive line wasn't the issue. It was Mac Jones in that instance taking points off the board and giving Miami ideal field position to get points themselves. So I'll start taking questions after that. I'm not just going to like beat this over the head. But I think the point is when you talk about Mac and whether the team should move on after the season or what they're going to do with him, it's plays like that where it's hard to really make an argument for him as your quarterback in the future because he's putting you in bad positions. And, and you just can't have that on a weekly basis, even last week. He actually got away with um, a strip sack on a play where there was a penalty. It was overturned, but the strip sack had nothing to do with the penalty. He wasn't protecting the ball, got run down from behind, and fumbled. So it, it stinks because you can tell he works hard. He's respected in the locker room. He's got a lot of great relationships and all those things that you want from a starting quarterback. You saw the fire from him last week. Like You're thinking maybe he's getting back there with a good offensive line. And it's, I don't think he was terrible for the most part. I got to go back and watch the film to see really what was going wrong. I know there was the third down when they were in scoring territory after halftime. It looked like Devontae Parker might have been open. Demario Douglas was open downfield, but it felt like to me he was just staring down Ramondre Stevenson for whatever reason. 
And I just, I, I, it's hard. It's hard to consistently say that Mac is the guy that you want leading this team because of the self-inflicted errors and the lapses in judgment. And there were even a couple of plays where you saw there was the overthrow to Ramondre Stevenson, where you saw him panic in the pocket. Those are things that just get ironed out in a couple of weeks, even if you have a good offensive line. We also saw it last week against the Bills. He got kind of panicky on the sack he took. I don't know how long it's going to take to iron those things out. So I said I was going to beat it over the head. I'm actually done now. I'll start taking questions. Um, but yeah, it just just another tough play for Mac Jones that really hurts his case for being uh, the top dog in the quarterback room. So Ahmed, if you could, please, let's throw up some questions from our lovely viewers. Thank you all for being patient. Uh, we really appreciate it. Let's see what we got. Thoughts on the O-line and who did they have for their starting five? Oh, my God. That's so, the font's so small. I'm sorry. Um, so one thing I thought was interesting, I asked David Andrews about it. Uh, there was some mixing and matching going on inside. For some reason, uh, Mafia was going in for City So at times. I think Cole Strange got hurt at one point. We saw him on the sideline with no helmet. He came back in. Um, I, I still think that City So just because I didn't see any glaring errors from him. Maybe that was why he was on the sidelines. I don't know. Could have just been it's Miami, the heat, people cramp. You know, you don't know for sure. Um, but I think they found their top starting five offensive linemen. I thought there were a lot of plays where Mac had a ton of time to throw. thought the run game looked pretty good. They had some run stuffs as well. Uh, I think there were four tackles for loss in the game overall. One of them was the uh, one of the opening plays to Mario Douglas. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really like this offensive line. I think that they should keep going with this unit as long as they remain healthy. Uh, I thought Mike and one who handled speed off the edge relatively well. I think there may have been a sack where he kind of struggled to force. I think it was Jalen Phillips around the edge. It's so tough doing this. <laughs> I don't need film review after you just watched it live. But, um, yeah, I like this unit. I don't think they were the problem. I think that you just have to be more consistent and not have so many plays where you're kind of just shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, yeah, there's my thoughts on that. What else we got on it? I think Kayshawn Booty gets playing time finally. Or are we going to pretend we are good enough to sit players still? All right. So Bill Belichick acknowledged this last week when he was talking to reporters. He was asked about Kayshawn Booty and whether or not, you know, what the situation is with him. Why isn't he playing? Because we hear you. You know, fans have been very vocal about wanting to see more of Kayshawn or actually see Kayshawn Booty. We haven't seen him since week one. He's been a healthy scratch. Belichick's answer was basically that he's in a competitive environment and that, you know, players who deserve to play will play. He's a rookie. We already knew he was struggling to crack a starting lineup in the summer, which is understandable. But still, you have Demario Douglas, who had the lead there. And Kayshawn Booty had, was a, a more highly touted player the year before in college. So I really think he's just not doing enough in practice. I think if he was providing a spark behind the scenes, I, there's no reason at all that the team wouldn't be putting him out there. Um, I think maybe now their hand's going to be forced because you might not have Kendrick Bourne for the foreseeable future if his knee injury is significant. As I said, Devontae Parker, he's got the head injury. The Patriots have been sitting guys for at least a week with concussions just to play it safe. I love that uh, protocol. It can be frustrating as a fan, but it's these players' long-term health is what's most important. So with that lack of depth there, you know, maybe we see more Juju, maybe we see more Rager. I think those are probably more likely because we have seen it's established they have more trust. But I, I don't know if we're going to see Kayshawn Booty anytime soon. And that seems like that's completely up to him. If he starts coming through in practice and showing some flashes and taking advantage of his opportunities, then maybe. But for right now, um, whether it's like not doing well enough on the scout team, not getting opportunities because he's not, you know, doing enough with what he has. Um, I just don't know 
if there's a real option that we're going to see him anytime soon. Uh, before we take some more questions, first, you got to pay the bills. Send it over to our friends at FanDuel. Amit, please and thank you. Put an action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so let's see what other questions we got in the chat. Oh, my gosh. Some of you guys are being real brutal and mad, and I get it. Um, Bill has said he's not interested in developing players. Is that what that's? Yeah. So what good would drafting Caleb Williams be if Bill is still coach? Um, I don't know when Bill has said he's not interested in developing players. I think that's kind of the whole job of a coach. Um, that's kind of a weird question, honestly. I'm trying to think of how to answer it. I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with drafting Caleb Williams if they end up having the top pick in the draft. I don't think that's likely, but if he falls into their lap, I don't think that Belichick is not going to want him because he doesn't want to develop players. Um, I think having someone with his talent, you know, Max still under contract for a year, is, assuming they don't trade him at the deadline, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the team has enough trust in their other quarterbacks, as we've seen throughout this season, and we know they're not going to tank. Um so I think that if they have a chance at Caleb Williams next season, finally get some real competition for Mac. I think that'd be the best thing. Um, and not just competition. I think obviously he has a talent to win that position, but he's also a young player. You don't know what you're going to get early on. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's, I guess, my response to that. I, I think that they would take Caleb Williams, Williams if they had the opportunity. Are you buying or selling at the deadline now? I think you got to be sellers. Uh, you're prioritized selling at least. I don't really think there's – really anybody that could come in and save the season. If they had won today, I would say, okay, maybe you get like, if you can find a good deal, you get a receiver that really puts you over the top and allows you to be more explosive rather than just needing to pass quickly and kind of just rely on intermediate throws and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, I think you got to sell. I think Uche, it's written on the walls. He's going to be gone. I'm trying to think of other players you could really sell on. Um, frankly, I think there's just a lot of players on this team that you should keep as foundational pieces. I don't think that tearing everything down is really the right move. I think that you have some people who could be good for you in the future if you get a few more pieces around them. Um, and plus, I know Kendrick Bourne was being floated out there. That's out the window now, unfortunately, most likely, if he if his injury is significant. Um, oh, John's back. Um, but yeah, sell. You got to sell. You just aren't in a position right now where you – uh, can acquire players to put you over the edge. You're really more in a position where you got to try to get the best draft capital possible, get as many picks as possible to try to make a splash uh, in the draft. Welcome back. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, are you I'm buying or selling at the deadline? 
<laughs> oh no, I think they should buy. Come on, I mean, what are we talking about here? I gotta warn everybody at home. Xfinity rolling blackouts all day here with my mm-hmm. Wi-Fi. I I cannot guarantee a thing. There's nothing I can guarantee. I'm gonna freeze like this. You know, well, listen, I'll be ready for it. Uh, I but it was I, me. <laughs> no, I apologize if it happens again. There's nothing I can do here. I'm sure Taylor's covered everything of value at this point. The buy or sell thing is a no brainer. It's not whether they should, it's whether they will. And really, it comes down to a question of like pride. It comes down to two questions Is, is it in Bill's personality to punt, you know, like on a season like this, to acknowledge that it's over on his own? Or is it going to take, a, and does he have enough job security to do it? And that's kind of what it comes down to. Like, you know, Robert Kraft has said, how important it is to make the playoffs and this and that. I think you need, if, if I think you need Robert Kraft to tell, come, come, you know, come into Bill's office and say, I want you to get everything you can and load up. But also when you do that, you almost got to kind of tell him like, you know, because I'm going to let you do it. You know, like we're going to build, mm-hmm. we're going to rebuild. It's almost like, is Bill going to feel comfortable selling if he doesn't know he's the guy who gets to do it. So he's going to go out with this, the last we're going to see if Bill Belichick is going to be this miserable team that sold off all of its viable parts and is essentially trying to lose, not really, but kind of. Um, is he going to be cool with that? I don't know. You know, I don't know how he responds to a message from above that says sell because that's the tricky part. I almost feel like they ha- kind of have to be together on it, but also it begs the question. Do you want Belichick making personnel decisions moving forward? It- it's a messy situation. Like, yeah, it's really messy because this is something Kraft said he would never do is meddle with personnel stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, he got burned in the early days with Parcells and just said he'd never do it. He's never come in and told Bill with the exception of maybe the Brady Garoppolo thing uh, that first time around what to do with his roster. So any incursion like that by Bill, by, 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 you know, Robert Kraft, I don't know how that's going to land. But, but they have to. I mean, it's again, and I think people need to understand, I, I've seen some chatter out there about like compensatory picks and this and that. And why would you trade guys for draft picks? Just take, you're not going to get compensatory picks if you spend in free agency, which they absolutely can, should, and will. They don't have much of a roster next year. They don't have a lot of guys under contract. They have to spend a lot to fill that roster up and they have a reasonable amount of cap space to do it. Once they do that, they're not going to, everyone's walking for free because they're going to spend way more than they can to be able to retain. They're going to buy more than they lose um, in free agency. So they're not getting any compensatory picks. So yes, even a fourth or a fifth at this point has value. Anything that allows you to move around draft boards and get the guys that you want next year is valuable. So yes, they should be selling guys, even if it is for mid round picks, if you can get thirds and fourths for people, no question about it. Um, The question is, let's just assume in a, in a fairy tale world um, that they do, uh, you know, uh, U- yeah, Uche has been mentioned as an autumn as 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 the He's most gone. obvious He's one. Gone, yeah. Uh and he didn't play today. I don't know how hurt he actually was, but you I don't think it was an injury thing. Um they were saying all week that um the foot injury like wasn't gonna be a long term thing, it wasn't significant. Um uh, he was at practice. I think that this is them trying to preserve him before the deadline. Yeah, and I mean, Thornton was a healthy scratch. That might just be because he, he they, he's not good enough to see the field. Um, I can't. Or another imagine, trade candidate. Or another I trade can't candidate. imagine there's interest on him, but sure, maybe there is a reclamation. Maybe someone looks at it and says, 
Pats can't do anything with a downfield speed threat with a guy like with like Mac Jones. So maybe we can. And, you know, maybe they can recoup something close to the second that they spent on him. Uh, and if they could, maybe they want to do that because I don't think he's going to fit here with with his skill set and, you know, in the current quarterback situation. So who do you see? Like, who would you like to see move? What would be a controversial name that you might see move? controversial name I think Kyle Duggar would probably be the most controversial in terms of people who could actually get you capital because like unwenu has been hurt Kendrick Bourne just got hurt really significant what's probably going to be significant if it's a knee injury um yeah I, I, I'll go Kyle Duggar because I don't really think there's a lot of other players on your team who have the kind of value where teams are going to say all right I'll give you a legitimate pick for him uh, I think Tyquan Thornton I was saying earlier I thought was an option just because speed the contract Probably don't have to give up much for him. I, I was saying like a fourth would be very optimistic, but probably more likely a fifth. Um, but I also don't want – I say Duggar's controversial because I think he's one of the building blocks. Had a great game today. Uh, started to look more like himself again. But he's probably the only one of the players outside of Uche who would get you any significant draft capital. Yeah. Um, and, and like anything outside of – like I, it really comes down to teams and needs. You know, like um, – uh, and you know, you look around the NFL, like who's got a need where everyone can always use pass rushing. Uh, so Uche of course makes sense. Are there any teams out there right now that could use other positions that the Patriots might be able to provide the problem when you have a roster lacking talent as much as the Patriots do is there's really not much that anybody else out there would want. Yeah. That's the that's the really ugly part of that coin. I'm literally looking through the roster now, trying to think of who would somebody want to. I the only thing I would say is like is is someone like if there was a team that was contending um, that needed a piece, they're you know really deep down on the you know uh, you know uh, kind of the running back pecking order, and they make a call on Ramondre, or you saw that the Vikings might have lost Kirk Cousin for the seasons. Uh, for the season, they held on to win. They're four and four. Their season's not over. Um, would they make a call on Mac Jones? I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it really comes. I know the Mac stuff seems stupid in the sense that, like, it sounds like sports radio hot take stuff, but it's not if you've decided he's not your guy. Like, if they know they're moving on from Mac, who cares if it's Mac or Taylor Heineke next year? It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? If you're, if it's just going to fill that hole with just patch it up and wait for, you know, with just glue and tape and just wait for the real repairs to come later on, it doesn't matter who. If you view Mac as that guy internally, like replacement level, then it doesn't matter. You're not preserving anything. You're not doing anything. You're not going to, you might not, you might've decided you're not picking up a fifth year option. You're getting nothing for him later on in trade. If some team is desperate and calls and offers you a third for Mac Jones, you have to consider it. If you know you're moving on, if you think there's still hope and you want to go one more year with better pieces and spending some capital and knowing you meant to address weapons. Sure. I, but you know, I don't know. I just don't – I'm trying to think of this from Bill Belichick's perspective because that's really all that matters, and I don't think I don't think Mac is a realistic option. As poorly as he's played – I don't either. I'm just going to throw it out there because I would yeah. say you could – if you knew you were moving on, there's no reason not to. I just don't know if it gets you anything, but yeah. And I don't think he trusts Bailey Zappi or, or like anybody enough because if he trusted them enough, then we wouldn't have seen Malik Cunningham be the top backup that week. Like I, that I, was some weird message. Not that he was a real backup, but like, yeah, it was such a weird message that they didn't have an actual backup quarterback. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 
I think that it should be something that he entertains, but I don't think there's any chance that he does because he wants to be competitive, and you're not going to be competitive if Bailey's happy at quarterback for another what ten game, ten or nine games. I'm bad at math. Sorry, sorry about that. I couldn't tell where the noise was coming from here um, on, on my end. So, um, so I don't know, but yes, certainly, certainly sellers. Um, I just don't know what you can get. It's not like you know some big sexy name is out there. I'll, I'll throw it around this way: Could you be buyers and should you be buyers? Yeah, why not? And here's why: You're you're not this. If someone's giving something away that you could use next year, you still have to field the team. Right. Like yeah, that's I, that yeah yeah. And so if 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 like if Judy was available and you thought and that's a guy you wanted and now it's a it's a fair price and you're like yeah I'll take that because I need receivers next year, you know sure it's not about winning this year it's about players like fifty three players is a lot like you can't trade everyone you have to fill a roster like you can't go in free agency and just resign. 53 new guys, you know, like it's, it's not the NBA where you get two good players and then just fill with the rest. Like you need a lot of players at a lot of positions. So, uh, with Bill, we trust who put that up there. You, I, I did that just cause I thought it was funny and I wanted to see you get mad. <laughs> I mean, I've been off that for a while and it's not, it's not a knock on bill. I just think it's the, there's empirical evidence just to show, uh, you know, his talent evaluation going back several, several, several years at this point. Uh, is 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 lacking and that's why they are where they are. I mean, you should not be looking again. The Dolphins and the Eagles were examples of what type of talent you can build around and the Bills until they had to, you know, extend Allen. The the type of the type of talent that you can put on an NFL roster when you're building around a quarterback on a rookie scale contract. Uh, the fact that the Patriots have this bad talent when they're paying so little to their quarterback is almost difficult to do. I mean, it's I don't know that you can do worse putting together a team when you have that massive advantage. Um, it takes strong be, principles <laughs> to, to be this to bad. Be. <laughs> oh, boy. There he goes. Okay. I'll give my take on in Bill We Trust before I shoot it over to uh, our little ad real quick. I was the one who was on the airwaves saying that, like, you know, he's got a plan, da-da-da. I still like the top three draft picks, but especially now, in hindsight, it's, okay, couldn't have gotten back one more weapon instead of a Marte Mapu, instead of a Keon White? I still really like those picks. I think they were great value, but I think, personally, I was kind of naive, to be very honest. I figured Bill has a plan. I also thought that Bill O'Brien would be able to maximize this offense. Now, to be fair, I think the offensive line injuries – you can't get around how much those impact at the beginning of the season. Not only the right tackle thing, Dante Skarnecki himself has said, you can get by with one, you know, not great offensive lineman. When you have Antonio Mafia having to play significant snaps, when City So is one of your starting guards in, you know, in the beginning of the season, that's not a great sign. You don't have Mike and Wendy were Cole Strange finishing games. That had a significant impact on this team. So I think, you know, part of that has to be taken into consideration. But at the same time, those holes and those injuries showed how banged up they were in a lot of other spots in terms of talent. So, yeah, I, I, I think that defensively, Bill's plan has been fantastic. I, I think that talent-wise, they walked into this season with a loaded defense. And if Christian Gonzalez was still, you know, still around kicking, they were looking at J.C. Jackson even before he got hurt. I think this could have been a really special defense, but – the offense has just been so bad, and then you couldn't have predicted how much 
Mac Jones is going to backslide. I don't even know if you could really say backslide because he was already regressing last season. But in terms of having more talent around him and a more competent offensive mind, and the struggle, sure, like the pressure is something that he can't really control, but it's his response to that. And then how it just started to unravel where it's not just, oh, he's afraid to get hit. It's no, he's the Jalen Ramsey interception again. Throwing off your back foot, throwing weight. He's not processing things very well. All the things that were strengths for him have now kind of become glaring weaknesses where he's giving the other team the ball every single game. So, yeah, uh, throw it's a factor. But in Bill We Trust, I think he's really earned some criticism uh, for his recent track record. But, yeah, Amit, you want to take it away, please, and thank you? With a busy fall season already at swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Now you'll save time, eat well, stay on track with your healthy lifestyles. Ain't too busy to cook this fall, but want to make sure that you're eating well. With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and the prepping and the cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Then get back to crushing those goals. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from 35-plus weekly-flavored-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in just two minutes. Relish the best of autumn with fall flavors. Our limited-time-only, hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry pecan chicken, Apple Dijon pork chops. I mean, these meals even sound fancy. They're so good. Ready in just two minutes. They'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without the hassle. Level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Keep your energy up with Lunch To Go effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around eh, less than 550 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle the busy autumn? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Choose from breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery admissions and source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices. So this October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash presspass50 and use code PRESSPASS50 to get 50% off. That's code PRESSPASS50 at factormeals.com slash PRESSPASS50 to get 50% off. 
All right, we're going to take two more questions in this show. Uh, I'm going to go through, see who's got something good for me. Feel free to throw something in right now if you got it. Ah, do you trust Bill buying? He's not a great recent track record. Offensively, frankly, no. I've, I need to see something. I've gotten to the point where I've given Bill a lot of rope myself. Um, and now he, he's got to run out. I, I, it's not even beyond the acquisition of skill talent. It's also the development of skill talent where they haven't really been able to take a player. You got your Wenus, obviously. You got your Demario Douglases so far. But there's also a lot of names on that list where young players haven't been able to actually work out. Now, Bill's track record's been better when it comes to buying on guys where you already know what the track record is. But that hasn't even been really great either. So if Bill wants to buy and try to get another piece for the defense, maybe put them over the top so they don't get – you know, I don't want to say embarrassed. They did a solid job against the Dolphins, all things considered. But something to make you a little more consistent, maybe? Sure, why not, if it's a real impact player. Offensively, I hate to say it, but I don't have a lot of faith in Bill's ability to evaluate talent on that side of the ball. All right, what else we got? Let's see, let's see. He's got good questions. Ah, 16 players set to be free agents. What's the next move? I think a lot of the players, because they're not great, are guys that you could probably get back um, on relatively cheap contracts. Like all of the tight ends, I think you could get back at very reasonable prices. Um, Miles Bryant, I think you could get back. That's going to be a pretty easy one. Um, Kendrick Bourne, assuming he's healthy, I think he's someone that you should resign just because of how much continuity he could bring to your offense. And I don't think you want to make him number one. I think if he's number two or number three, that's fantastic. But, you know, them trying to fit him into this number one receiver role, I don't really know if that's it. Um, but then, obviously, the big names are the ones that come to mind, right? So Mike and Wenu, I'd like to see him resign. I don't think they will. I don't think they see him as a tackle long term. And they drafted Antonio Mafi to play guard. They have Cole Strange, although I would like to see him replace David Andrews at center. And City So, I think they want him at tackle. I don't know if that's still the plan. Um, to be fair, it's a really tough transition from being a college guard to an uh, NFL tackle. Mike and Wendu did it because Mike and Wendu's a freak and he's a really good player. Uh, Sidney Schultz is a good player as well, but it was obvious that the struggle was difficult for him. Kyle Duggar, in my brain, he's a no-brainer resigning because he's older, especially this season. He started pretty slow, so I don't even know how much attention he's going to draw. And the safety market isn't great either. Um, Josh Uche, I think he's getting traded. Um, I don't even really think there's a question about that anymore. Um I'm trying to think. I feel like there's one more name I'm missing. Let me see. Um, yeah, no, they got all the good ones. All right, I'll take one more. Oh, Judon. Um, not Judon, I believe, is under contract still next year. Um, he'll be a free agent in 2025, I believe. Um, but I think the big thing with him is he may want more money again. I think it's ah, it's difficult because uh, he was injured. So. I don't know if you really want to give him a pay bump, maybe see how he does in camp and then have that discussion. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, I think most of their players could probably be brought back. Um, the only one who's probably going to demand serious money um, who kind of gives me pause just because of his position isn't winning because I think he's really a guard and we've seen that the Patriots don't want to pay guards. When, even when it was Joe Tooney, who was an iron man and a fantastic player for them. All right. Take one more question, and then we will let you all live your lives. Pats passed on Dewan Jones in the fourth and drafted Jake Andrews. With this need and Jones being the top-graded offensive tackle, is this a fair second guess? 
So what I heard was that Dewan Jones just didn't interview very well, which is just a team-to-team thing. Um, I think that some people just maybe got the wrong impression from him in interviews. Uh, but the Browns clearly didn't, and they thought he was good enough, and they decided to take him. But at the same time, a lot of teams passed on him. Everyone talks about how good Dewan Jones is. He was a fourth-round pick for a reason. Um, in hindsight, 100% you second-guess that because Jake Andrews hasn't played this year. Um, and frankly, I like I said, I'd like to see Cole Strange at center. That's probably not their plan, but um, I think you could do better in the fourth round than a center. Uh, I also don't know how many teams were in the market for Jake Andrews. I'm not going to turn this into a Jake Andrews bash session, though. That's just my opinion. I thought it was a bit of an odd pick. That was the first one of the draft where I was really like, hmm, I don't get it, but we'll see what happens. And based on their use and what the t- situation has been at tackle, yeah, I think it's completely fair. Second guess that one. Good question. Uh, but yeah, thank you all so much for sticking with us through the technical difficulties. We obviously really appreciate it. Um, enjoy tonight's football game. Get your mind off what happened today until tomorrow when we have to talk about all the hard questions and press conferences and whatnot. But uh, have a great night, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other.